This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. But anyway, all right, all right. We're going to review Desert of Paradise. I don't think I've got any other notes and stuff to mention. Um, does, does there anything else that we need to talk about that seems like a big dealio in permaculture? I mean, this is the permaculture smackdown. It seems like we should have these, these hot permaculture topics to be talking about every week. No one's got anything? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I could easily fill hours just talking about um, recent events and uh, maybe the heat stuff and uh, the boot camp stuff and things like that, but I think we covered them all pretty quickly and good enough. Is that all right? Yeah. You? All right. So, uh, Desert or Paradise, written by the mighty, the glorious, the amazing Sepulchre. And, as luck should have it, uh, we're going to start on page 130. We're, we're probably two-thirds of the way through the book. We're going to start on page 130. And uh, this little section is called Google Culture. <laughs> we could just skip this part, right? <laughs> I've, 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 I've marked up a lot of stuff in here, <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to be careful on what I'm choosing to read. But, um, and there is some wackadoodle stuff here at the end of this chapter. It's like, the hell is that? So, um, but listen, I've marked up a lot of this Google culture stuff. Here we go. Google culture, otherwise known as the German mound or Google beat, is an essential part of Holzer's permaculture. The advantages are convincing. It enlarges the area to be cultivated. It creates microclimates and allows easy access because of its height. And improves the soil because of the added organic matter at its core. In wet areas, it often is the best, if not only way, to grow various plants because it dries quicker than the ground. It can also serve as a windbreak. The Hugel culture is built up loosely and therefore is well aired and roots grow easily in it. This accelerates the composting of the organic matter that in return makes nutrients available to the plants. Soil life is activated by these processes. The bed will sag over the course of several years. Finally, he says this. He's written it down. It's, it's like it's, it's, now it is finally true that it got through to him. The bed will sag over the course of several years. How quickly depends on the wood used at its center. Soft wood, like poplar, will decay in three to five years. Hardwood, like oak, takes 15 years to rot down. 
the hugel culture could be rebuilt then, or the valuable humus could be used elsewhere in the garden. A hugel culture is ideally about 1.5 meters high. So he's saying 5 feet high. And, and I want to say, I think, ideally, 7 feet high. And, and in fact, I kind of I kind of wonder because seven feet that would be more than two meters. So I'm I'm a little curious about him saying this because that seems like five feet high. That's shorter than what I heard him say to me. Okay, a Google culture is ideally about one point five meters high, with a gradient of about sixty five to eighty degrees, narrowing towards the top. Plants preferring dry soil should be planted at the top. Water-loving plants like melons and cucumbers at the bottom, where it is wettest. A hugel culture needs to be watered during dry spells, ideally at the base of the plants, with a watering can or a drip. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like there is a lot to unpack here. So... The first thing is about the sack, because he used to say that it it never shrinks. Never. 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 And uh, and now here he's saying that it does sag. And so it's like, I'm glad, I'm glad that he says it. That says that. Now, another thing is, is that I kind of feel like one of the weird things is, is that if you're growing stuff on the top and it, and it sheds leaves, then the leaves accumulate on the top. So as the hugel culture kind of shrinks, it kind of sort of simultaneously grows. And so I kind of feel like, um, in a way, it, it doesn't shrink as fast or it stays, it could potentially stay the same if you've done a good job with it. Um, but, but, uh, the, the top part would become like almost pure organic matter as all that mulch accumulates and slowly breaks down. Um, Question. Yes. Let's. Can we go into detail the five foot versus seven foot? What do you get with that extra two feet? Well, first of all, I think if you're going to build a seven foot hugel culture, you're going to end up with something that's less than six feet tall pretty quickly. It's going to settle and um, it's going to, you know, the clogs are going to start to rot. It's going to sag fairly, you know, it's going to start its sagging process fairly quickly. You're going to lose more than a foot in just a couple of years. Um, the next thing is, is that um, I think that, I mean, he's in a wetter climate than I'm in. And so now, now he always seemed to say that the height of the hookah culture should be a little should be about the height of the person that's going to be harvesting the hookah culture. It's like he, he, would he would show himself reaching straight out, and it's like I should be able to harvest a lot of my food right in this area where I can reach easily by just putting my arms straight out. I was specifically going to mention that, Paul, that I know the reason that you like a seven-foot-tall hugel culture because that's head high. You know, I, I totally get that. You know, <laughs> make, it, make it seven feet tall, it settles a little bit, and that means it's like the same height as we are. You yes. know, and, 
you, you make a four, a four foot tall hugel culture, for example, and it settles down to three feet. Well, now we've got to stoop over to reach the top of the the mound. You know, so not only the taller the better. <laughs> not only do you have to stoop over, but it's kind of it's kind of a, a few feet away. So you're kind of like stooping and leaning over, and and that's especially uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's one thing, like if if you're going to stoop over and it's 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 three feet tall and it's right next to your knee, that's easy to get at. But when it's it's you're stooping down because it's three feet tall and it's like two and a half feet over there, it's like man, getting over there is tough. It's like that that's kind of like you better stick one leg out to give you some balance or have a friend hold your hand, hold my hand. Mm-hmm. I'm going in for those strawberries. You well, know? that's why you want it steep. Yes. yes. 65 to 80 degrees. 80 degrees is really steep. Yeah, really steep is what you want. And that's what, <clears throat> so, you know, you, you, the podcast doesn't convey it, but but Step would, would uh, make a, he'd hold his hands up to show how steep he wants it. And it's like, yeah, it's good. 80 degrees is real steep. So that way, when you're standing there and you're reaching out to get stuff, you're only reaching out like a foot and a half. It's like straight out from your face, foot and a half, right there, growing. And it's like then the top is a little flatter. Um, and, and so then because the top is flat, then it kind of makes it so that it'll hold water better up there. Although i got to tell you, Dez has been doing a thing where he's been making little holes in the top of our hugel cultures and putting rocks in the holes with the idea that that's where he wants to put water in the top as he's trying to build soil. So we're... We're irrigating our hugelkultures inside our one paddock this year um, in an effort to try to build soil. This mm-hmm. And it made double the challenge because it's been so hot. So, which reminds me, how hot is it outside now? Now it's 105 outside. And uh, we're coming up on 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I think about 4 or 4.30 is when it gets the hottest. So we might get, you know, to 106 today, maybe 107. Hooey! All right. So I think that if it's taller, it holds more moisture inside. And so taller is better. The other thing about taller is that uh, uh, it helps to uh, break the wind more. <laughs> and, and yeah, don't we all love to break wind once in a while, right? We're growing beans on our Google culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and wind, of course, is going to be desiccating and cooling, and we're trying to extend our seasons. And so, mm-hmm. because we're in a cold climate, and so it's it's so the taller, the extra two feet in height, does this effect even more. So, um, I, I, you know, the thing that bugs me is that it says 1.5 meters in here. And and to me, I kind of think, is that a typo? Shouldn't it be two meters or higher? And, uh, uh, but no, it says 1.5 meters. Okay. Paul, you've met Seth. How tall is he? I'm guessing he's less than six foot, but. I'm not sure. He looks the same size as the rest of you. There's a picture of the two of you standing next to each other, and I would say he was probably around 5'9", 5'10", from that picture. 
Well, he and I tend to ham it up for the camera a little bit. Uh. There's, there's one picture where I got down on my knees. So he looked like he was the bigger guy. Because when I very first met him, the very first time ever, then he couldn't, he couldn't shut the fuck up about how tall I was. Like, that's all he could talk about. It's like, this guy is just crazy big. Look how, how big he is. So I'm like, you know, wanting to talk about his movies or something, and all he could talk about is, like, so then somebody, one, like one of the interpreters said, you want me to take a picture with him? Yeah, 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 take a picture with this guy. So then I, I got down on my knees, you know, and uh, so now he's taller than I am. I, so there's a picture. There's That, that picture is out there. I, I think it's on my website about Sepulchre. On my webpage about Sepulchre. And then there was another one where he took, we took a picture again, and this time he got down like crazy low. Like he thought that would be funny to make me look even gianter. And so, you know, you're trying to look at a picture to get an idea of how tall he is compared to me. In fact, um, I'm going to give you a little clue as to the awards, because one of the awards goes to Joel Salatin. And uh, and there's a picture. So so Joel and I were both in Moscow, Idaho, and we're both presenting there. And uh, and Joel and I hung out for the day. I think I made a a big podcast talking about all the stuff he had to say at that event. And so Joel and I are hanging out for the day. And then I did that thing where I took a selfie, holding Joel in my armpit. And. Uh, and then so we were had, we had a staff meeting earlier today and we were, we were showing the video. So if you're on the permies.com staff, you can already know who the winners are. Oh, Opalin knows. Opalin, did you see the video, Opalin? Not yet. I missed oh, it this morning. You showed up late to our staff meeting. I did. Ah, so, um, uh, but anyway, someone was saying like. Is Joel like really tiny? <laughs> He's like he looks so tiny in that picture. And it's like, no, I'm just crazy big. And so, um, you know, like we shouldn't take it. Mark, do we have any pictures together? You know, I don't think so. Yeah. I forget if we if we bracketed somebody, you know, for the for the joke effect. Yeah, that's always good to do. That there ought to be a picture of us and Katie somewhere where she's standing between <laughs> us. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> so um, I I would imagine that we've done that at some point, but I, I can't think of any pictures like that. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I don't think Joel Salton is particularly small. I'm just particularly giant. And so, um, and so is Mark. And so this is going to be, uh, when Mark moves here, uh, this is going to be giant country here. <laughs> You'll we'll hear the, the echoing ho, ho, ho from the distances. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sean is an inch taller than me. And so uh, uh, my co-author for the Better World Book. And so uh, we should have him out here too. But he's a Canadian, so it's probably illegal for him to be here very all right, any other questions about Hoogle Culture stuff? On page 132, there's uh, this big section about creating a Hoogle Culture. Um, I don't like the way he creates Hoogle Culture. I'm against it. 
Um, I like my way much better. But, of course, I think that's true for all of us. Uh, then it goes into the Crater Garden. I never really got into the Crater Garden. I, I'm just... I mean, he talks about how great it is. He shows pictures of having built it. And um, I, I just, to this day, have a hard time getting all jones about the Crater Garden. Basically, it's kind of like a swale that isn't just a long ditch on contour. It's it's kind of swale-esque, but it's not a swale. I I don't know. I'm just... Is there anybody on this call who's like, oh man, Crater Gardens, boy, those are the best. That seems like something that would be good if you had a bunch of flat land. Fair. Although to I... Create, create some, uh, some texture to your... to whatever you got. Or maybe a high water table where you could, like he mentions, you know, get a pond effect going um, so you could have that that water edge. Otherwise, it just looks like, man, you're exposing a lot of subsoil that has no organic matter, and now you're going to, you know, garden on it. It just doesn't seem like a good combination. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the thing that's nice about a crater garden compared to, like, doing a crater garden where you've got a high water table, because if you've got a high water table and you don't have water moving through that, it seems like uh, a great place uh, that for a mosquito breeding program. And so that doesn't sound like a good time. Because, and, and if, you know, I've probably talked about this in podcasts before, um, we don't really have mosquitoes here. Right? I mean, did any of you on your trip here get, get consumed by mosquitoes? I got bit by something. It might have been a spider or something. I slept with my car door open most nights, so there were a few little little guys coming in there with me. Okay. So, um, but, I mean, like, I'm sure you've all been to places where they've got mosquitoes, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's not like swarming with mosquitoes or it, it wasn't a huge annoyance like it is in a lot of places. Right. You decided to sleep with your car door open. Yeah, because um, it was hot. Didn't you have that, like, campery thing? I, yeah, I have a van that has a bed in it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like one of those sprinter van-like things, and so it's big, fancy... So saying you had your car door open, it makes it sound like you're, like, in a Toyota Tercel and you're, like, in the back seat. And it's like, no, it wasn't like that at all. You got this you got this fancy thing. And so, but you still kept the uh, the door open. So yeah, it's not, it's not, like, geared up really to be a camper. It doesn't have, like, fans and stuff like other campers have to blow air while the car's not moving and all that stuff. So it gets kind of stale and hot up in the bed. The big thing is, is that if you just slept out under the stars, you would be fine. You wouldn't be swarmed with bugs. Yeah, yeah. I, it was, you know, it's it's not that bad there, but there there was, you know, one or two. There was over the two over the two weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they they leave you alone uh, Monday through Friday, but on Saturday. Yeah, they go crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the human farmer market, yeah. Like, yeah, it's because my blood has a lot more uh, alcohol in it on Friday and Saturday, and they're looking to party. 
Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> All right. So when I was there, there were, I didn't get a single bite. I was there. We were out and about during dusk, during dawn. I didn't see a single biter. And we get a lot in in Hawaii. I can tell a mosquito bite from a spider right now by the bite. Because uh, <laughs> I've gotten so familiar with it. No, we you were great on no mosquitoes. I was about to think about building a crater garden. So this is really inf- information I'm eager to have. I wonder if I could put some sort of bubbler or mover of if there's water at the bottom after I make it, hopefully. Well, I so the thing I was kind of thinking is, is that basically it's a swale, but it's got like a spot, and then he kind of terraces the interior of it. So it, it looks like a leaky pond because it's it's not packed. You, in fact, if it rains a whole lot, he wants all the water to drain out like within a week or so. And I think that's about right because then if it if it drains out in a week or so, you got a better chance of not having a bunch of mosquitoes, you know, go to town in there. And and so then once all the water's gone and the the, the ground underneath is plenty moist, and so but the problem is is that there's a lot of plants that are like they can't handle a week of being underwater. So the only plants that are left are plants that can tolerate a week of being underwater. And then um, and then they get all that moisture down the road. So I don't know, I'm just I'm just not feeling if I've got a big flat space to work with, step one, sell it. <laughs> okay, uh, a lot of people aren't gonna sell their flat stuff. But you know, I do think though that what you want is some slopes so you can control the frost and stuff like that. But but I do think that an important thing that you want to do is to be able to add texture to the landscape. And so what was being suggested is, is that a crater garden adds texture to the landscape. And I said, well, I guess so. But, but um, you could just take the the hugu culture. Say you've got your totally flat section. Okay, I dig down a foot or two in between, and now I've made a trench, and I'm piling that onto the woody debris to either side, and now I have a hugu culture half built to either side of me, and then I go to the other side of that and dig the next trench to finish that hugu culture between them. So you can, and like we've talked about before, where you, you're you not going to have nice straight lines of, you know, like from above looking at a monoculture, you know, row farm. Um, you know, you're going to make them wavy and, and add texture that way too. So if you get, you know, a straight wind, it, it can't get, in between those um, those peaks, so even with flat land, you can still add lots of texture to it. But yeah, yeah. the crater garden seems it just all the pictures I've seen of it, um, they all look like a you know somebody has the intent of building a pond here is just the impression I get from it. Right, only their pond leaks. Yeah, it doesn't hold water very well, and. The other thing is, is like, okay, you add a bunch of hugel cultures, exactly the way you just described, and then every fifth or sixth hugel culture will instead be a berm that's 15 feet tall. And so if you've got flat stuff, then it's like, oh, okay, let's, let's add some berms and some hugel culture, and we're doing great, as opposed to, like, adding in this crater garden, which I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not feeling it. I I guess I, I guess 
if there's some some awesome, amazing benefit above and beyond this thing I'm describing with hubiculture and berms, I'd really like to hear it and understand it, get my head wrapped around it. But here I am, I'm reading this part over and over again, and it's kind of like, mm, nah, yeah, pass. So, okay. Um, Do you think it's trying to drain water off from other areas in the cases where there's too much water in the whole thing for too long? I well, suppose it's, it's possible. He, he does specifically say the crater garden should be built at the lowest point of a property where it will collect water from above and from below. Maybe it's and then, too wet. And he says the way that you should shape it, um, it'll help maximize if a lake were to form, um, having to curve shapes and all that. Well, let's I, kind of working off of Katie's idea here. I know that there are some people where they've got like a big flat spot and their soil has a lot of clay in it. And I know that sometimes if you dig into the clay, like let's say you dug a hole 15 feet deep, because you had an excavator there, and you dig this hole 15 feet deep in the clay, sometimes that clay layer is only three feet thick. And then you get down to a bunch of gravel. And so then if you made a crater garden right there, and then everything else around the crater garden kind of had trenches going towards the crater garden, then that would effectively be a type of drainage. So that way, everything's not dying of just being flooded perpetually. So you'd be able to drain off the excess water. Ta-da! Maybe. Or maybe, you know, I don't have a lake. I made a garden. This is a crater garden. I didn't, that, that water, is, I don't even want the water if it's always in the middle now. It's just like, I, I can't help it, sir. Yeah. Yeah, when you get in trouble for, for building a pond, which is illegal, versus the, I was just playing with my excavator. I, I had no intent of this water accumulating in here. <laughs> I'm just following this plan in this book. Look at this plan in this book. It make a crater garden. Look how you're supposed to make little shells. Look how it's completely dry in the book, mostly, in, in this picture. Congratulations, Katie. You are the first person after 15 years to give me a reason to like a crater garden. <laughs> yeah. It's not a pond. No, it's a garden. It's so long as they look inside of this book right there. See? Crater garden. That's what I made. A garden. And it just doesn't drain very good. It sucks. It's a sucky garden. There's a log that's making a sucky garden. Make sure to put your thumb over the paragraph that talks about when you're building the outside banks and terraces of the crater garden. And the tip about if you connect your crater gardens with your neighbors, the lake, a lake in the center could become the connecting element and could be used by everyone. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that he intends the crater garden to have, be, include a water feature most of the time. And if it takes a week to drain, a, a lot of places, granted, not Paul's property, proper, proper, 
probably, but I would say a lot of places probably get rain every week or two. So if the idea is that you get an inch of rain and it takes a week for it to drain out of there, and by the end of that week you've gotten another inch of rain, you know, or a half an inch, that type of thing, that there's always going to be a very moist spot at least at the very bottom, if not just, you know, a couple feet of water. Some of those pictures look really deep and really steep. Oh, yeah, the sides are very steep. Um, okay, all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to move along. Uh, the next part I want to talk about is, is the urban gardening part. Does anybody want to talk about anything before urban, urban gardening? No. Okay, urban gardening. Uh, Holzer's permaculture for people without land. There are always opportunities to grow food, even in cities. Where there is a will, there is a way. So, I know people in Lisbon who plant cabbages along the banks of motorways. People in Moscow growing potatoes in parks. By the way, I got to say, um, I think that when we're talking about the, the Moscow in Russia, it's pronounced Moscow, right? It's Moscow. Whereas if we're talking about the, the town in Idaho, it's Moscow. I always thought it was Moscow. Like in Russia? Yeah. Moscow, Russia, but maybe not. Uh. Okay. I, I don't know why I want to say Moscow. And then, because I was born in Moscow, Idaho. And, um, it's, it's always Moscow. And I kind of, and, and then I remember there, they're like, no, if you're talking about the one in Russia, that's Moscow. But it's, it's spelled the same, Moscow. but it's, it's Moscow here in Idaho. Moscow. Sorry. The internet says Moscow. There you go. Ha! So, uh, Moscow it is. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, people in Moscow growing potatoes in parks, and people in Mexico City are harvesting lettuces from their rain gutters. There is a movement called guerrilla gardening, where people grow vegetables on disused or public areas in cities. You can find masked people planting flowers and vegetables on roundabouts and in parks at night in England. These are creative ideas to bring nature back into the cities, and there's no limit to imagination. So, um, I I really enjoy it when I hear about different guerrilla gardening things. Um, I Um, all right. Now, there is some stuff in here where he's got these tubes. Have you, did you see the stuff about the tubes? Yeah, that's weird. I saw him make one where he took, like, uh, felt, and he kind of, it was like a gardening felt, and uh, he kind of sewed it together a little bit to make a tube, and then he filled it up with soil, and then he poked holes in the tube, and planted a bunch of stuff in each of the different holes. Um, 
and uh, that was that was a pretty interesting thing. And uh, and so basically, the idea is is that if you've got a balcony, you could build a bunch of these tubes on your balcony, and you could grow a lot of food in these tubes. And it would have, and then there would be polycultures and everything. I just kind of mm-hmm. thought that that was mighty clever. But, of course, you yeah. know, it, it does require a lot of buildy-buildy to make it all work out. Yeah. You should point out to the listeners that they're, like, 20 feet tall, these tubes, and about uh, maybe a foot across. Yeah. Although I think if you're doing on your balcony, your tube is probably going to be only about 8 feet tall. Yeah. yeah. You get a whole apartment building, you get you and your neighbors above you, you know. <laughs> I've seen people make these before, too. Um, more like a hydroponic type of garden is where I've seen them used before. You can go to the hardware store and get, like, a PVC pipe and cut it and heat it and bend uh, yes, yeah. in, and then you end up with all these openings that you can plant stuff in and you can do it all the way around and then I know what kind of growing medium they're using but then they have the, the, the fertilized water dripping in from the top and then it collects in the bottom and gets repumped through um, but yeah I, I actually did one not to that extent of height but I did take like fabric bags and stack several of them put like Potty mix, I, I just had like uh, vermiculite in it so that it would help absorb water from below and filled these bags up maybe a foot tall and they were sitting on a rain gutter and I had a little float valve in the, the rain gutter so that whenever the water level got low, it would fill up automatically from a, a barrel. And there was a hole in the bottom of each of these bags with a piece of fabric hanging down with more of the potting mix in there, and it would wick the moisture up. So each plant would draw whatever it needed to be watered. So it was sort of like a self-watering system. Um, so not exactly that, but, um, yeah. I, it's something I would recommend. <laughs> yeah, he has he has one that's that's wrapped around the tree like a big like vine that's a foot in diameter. Right, so the tree's kind of holding it up. Yeah. At the same time, I, you got to kind of wonder if that's going to cause like if it's, is it going to make that tree sad? Right. Yeah. So, but maybe you kind of don't care about that tree. Screw you, tree. <laughs> it's happening. You better get used to it. This is how I punish my trees. <laughs> We're acting out. <laughs> that, that tree called me a nasty thing. <laughs> so now, um, on page 143, there's this uh, building design for the dream mushroom. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, so the important thing is, is that he has this dream... And uh, in this dream, he, he's got something that's probably like, what is this, like about 12 feet tall or something, maybe even 15 feet tall? It looks like it has a cement base that's in the ground, and there's a bunch of structural stuff on the inside of it, and then it's wrapped with this fabric, 
and it holds a bunch of soil, and it's got growies growing all over it, and on top of the mushroom, because it's, it's, it looks like at the base it might be about, um, I'm going to say, like, six feet wide, and then at the top of the mushroom, it's maybe 20 feet wide. And um, so the idea is that there's growies on the top of the mushroom, and there's growies on the sides of the mushroom. All right. So anyway, this is his thing for the – got to see the picture of it to really get it. They're by the book. Oh, go by the book, yeah. And, and uh, uh, I was looking at this thinking, pass. I'm going to not make one of these. It just seems like a tree with extra steps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've been watching Rick and Morty. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, yeah, I just, I just wasn't feeling it. Did, were any of you guys looking at this thinking like, oh yeah, that's what I want. I want some of that. Yeah. I want someone to build this. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Has anyone built it? Can you say in the forums if you know anyone who has built one? So I don't think anyone's built this. So this podcast will have a thread of its own, and I watch all of the threads in the podcast forum. I don't reply to very many posts, but I do reply to some. And uh, and if anybody has seen someone having built one of these, please post in this thread for this podcast, because I'd be really curious. Um. But it is it is a kooky looking thing there. Um, and then he's got one called the Permaculture Dream Pyramid, mm-hmm. which um, I know that for his Siberian project, that everybody was going to get a hectare, which is about two and a half acres, and they would build a berm around their hectare. And then they would put hoopacultures inside of their berm, and they would build a home that they would live in. So the idea was is that you would give somebody a hectare and a shovel and a pocket full of seeds, and they could, in theory, be entirely self-sufficient. And I was really curious about how they would build their home and do that. And so I I never really got a good, clear idea of, like, if you've got just a shovel and a pocket full of seeds, how do you build your home? But maybe this is what he had in mind, because uh, the Permaculture Dream Pyramid, an earthquake-proof house and green design. So it looks like it is a, like like your whole house is made out of stairs, like, instead of walls, they're sloped inward, like a bunch of stairs. And, and you would, some of the stairs would be used as planters. And I'm kind of thinking, like, okay, so there's wood. How does the wood not rot? Maybe it's not wood. I don't know. I'm not fully understanding this. I mean, it looks pretty. The, the painting looks pretty, but I don't really understand it. You guys got anything on that one? I got lost after understanding that it was fairly earthquake-proof, at least in concept, because of the type of footing and how it's not, like, bolted together everywhere. But after that, it was mostly just a pretty picture. 
And he's got a dome of glass covering the top. Yeah, his Um, comment that it swims on a bed of gravel, and that's what makes it earthquake-proof, because the whole house will just shift above the gravel. That doesn't seem ideal. The the glass thing at the top looks like the cone of silence. Mm -hmm. I kind of see Maxwell Smart, you know, in there. All right, all right, all right. Hey, that's as far as we're going today. Um, uh, you know, we'll do another 12 to 15 pages next week. Um, anybody got any more comments about the stuff that we just read? Nope, nothing? Nope. Okay. No. Got anything else to say about all other permaculture things in all of the world or Rick and Morty? <laughs> I, I've only seen one episode from season five so far, so. I, I've never, I've never watched it. I just, it's just kind of a meme that I repeated. Oh, oh, okay. So I, I, that's where that comes from, <clears throat> I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think the original quote is, is, uh, it's, that just sounds like slavery with extra steps. Uh-huh. So, okay. Anyway, um, I think we're all done. So, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about mm. Mighty the Glorious, the Amazing Seth Holson. Homesteading and permaculture all the time. All the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.